Hey, good morning. Um, glad you're here. Um, welcome to Safe Haven Church. Um, in 1790, I, I think I think that this is live now, right? Is that? Yep. There we go. Um, in 1790, there was a, a shoe cobbler, um, and there'll be a picture of him on the screen. His name was William Carey. Some of you guys may have heard of William Carey before. Um, he was an apprentice and trying to learn how to do the whole shoe thing. And, and, and while he was doing that, he was actually led to Christ uh, by the guy that was teaching him how to cobbler shoes. And uh, just kind of this, his heart got set aflame with a burden for Christ. And the more that it set aflame, the more that it, it changed things in his life, just more and more and more. And um, as he saw Christ as supreme in more and more things, it, it just changed things. And it ultimately led him to pray. And, and so this is what Tucker just talked about just a minute ago as, as far as praying for other nations. And, and so because Christ was supreme, he just started praying and he, he made his own map. Now, again, this is 1790. He couldn't just head over to Barnes & Noble and grab a map. Um, he, had, he had to draw one, and so he just drew this giant map, and he began to pray and study the world and, and what that looked like and how that changed that. <clears throat> the more he saw Christ as supreme, he not only prayed, but he started teaching. He was like, okay, I can teach people about Christ. And so <clears throat> what he found himself doing was taking the leather straps that he had left over from cobbling shoes, and he built a leather globe. And he began to use this as a way that he could teach people about nations of the world. So this changed him in this way. And then the more that he saw Christ as supreme, it ultimately led him to go. And so after he prayed for a long time because of this map, and after he built this globe and taught people about the world and, and how Christ's supremacy should change things, it ultimately led him to take his three kids and his wife, stick them on a boat, and head over to India. And this led to what is known as uh, uh, the modern movement of missions. And so William Carey, because his heart was set aflame for Christ, this is what this ultimately led him to say. And there's going to be a quote on the screen. I hope you'd look at it. He said this, after he learned about Christ, I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. How good is that? Christ has just changed things. And a heart set aflame for Christ will indeed, it'll change things. And so these are things in his life. And today Paul's going to show us how a heart set aflame for Christ will feel as a part of the living body of Christ, the church. And so we've been journeying through the book of Colossians. We've made it all the way to chapter Two. Um, it's taken us six weeks to get to chapter two, um, but by God's grace, this is what this is going to teach us today. Paul is going to say, look, you should feel something. If Christ has changed things, it should change things in you, and you should indeed feel certain things. And so let's look at these three things real fast I want to look at today, and, and then we'll uh, continue on. Uh, <clears throat> so he says this in verse one of chapter two. For I want you to know how great a struggle that I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. And so the first thing I want you to see there is that a heart set aflame for the supremacy of Christ will indeed struggle for other people. It's just a natural byproduct. You will struggle for others. The word used for struggle here is a fascinating word. Um, it's the word agon. 
A-G-O-N. Guess what word comes from this word in our English language? Agony. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a simple word, right? And so, timely enough, the word that he's using here is a word that came from the Olympics and where they would wrestle with one another and struggle with one another in conflict with one another. And so what Paul says is, because Christ is supreme and because he's changed things, I now wrestle, struggle for you, the Laodiceans and to the Colossians. And what makes this even more remarkable is remember how many times had Paul met the Colossians? Y'all remember this? How many times? Zero. Never. He had never met these people and he ultimately never met these people. But he says, listen, because of what Christ done, because I see him as supreme, I struggle, wrestle with you people that I don't even know. I, I, I long for you. I urged for you. And so a heart filled with Christ will indeed, dare I say, agonize for other believers. So the question is, do you feel this? Do you, do you feel this agony and this wrestling and this struggling for other believers? Uh, a mature Christian heart will always beat for kingdom purposes. And it'll beat in a couple of different ways, right? At times, we know that beating for other Christians, is, it's a heavy heart. We feel the heavy heart for other believers, don't we? Somebody's going through something in their family, and you feel with them. You, you hurt with them. You struggle with them. Uh, somebody's house, I don't know, let's use a hypothetical situation, uh, gets absolutely flooded with this torrential downpour that we have. And all of a sudden, a church family feels with them and finds themselves ripping off floorboards and ripping out carpet at 2 a.m. in the morning. Right? You, we feel with other believers. And this is what Paul's getting at here. When the family, other family, brothers and sisters are struggling, you can't help but to pray for them. You can't not pray for them. We, we feel this. You're shooting fireworks tonight. And I hope you've got the big ones, right? Not just the pop piles. I'm talking about the boom ones. I hope you get them. And, and, and they're blowing up. But as fellow believers, we know that experience sometimes where that's going on. And you can't help but think about some other brother or sister and what they're going through. It's just a natural byproduct is what he's getting at. Now, you may not know what to do, but we feel the weight of brothers and sisters, don't we? And this is the, this is the wrestle. I mean, you're, you're bobbing up and down in the ocean, let's say, and there happens to be a cattle farmer out there named John. And you're bobbing up and down with John, and, and you can't help but wonder, okay, where is he at in relationship with Christ? This is what happens and Paul says, this is what should happen and will happen. So if you experience that, good. Now you may go, yeah, but try experience, but I, I don't always get it right. I don't always know what to do. Well, that's not the point. The point is, do you feel it? That's the inward experience of all true believers. And so Paul says this, a heart of flame will struggle for other believers. And sometimes it is a weighty heart. And then at other times... It's a joyful heart, isn't it? We don't always just hurt for other believers. We, we celebrate for other believers. It's just a byproduct. And this is where he goes at. There were days and nights where Paul wrestled and he tossed and he turned for people he had never met. But there were also days where he clapped and he laughed and he, he cheered them on. And that's exactly what he says. Number two, a heart of flame will not only struggle for others, but a heart of flame will celebrate with others. Look at verse two. I struggle for you. 
though I've never met you face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. I struggle to, so that you'll reach all the riches of the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so Paul struggled for the gospel so that others would find the joy that the gospel brings. And this is the same thing that goes on day to day with your local staff here at Safe Haven Church. Tyler invites you over to hang out and have tacos with him and Heather, not because they have the greatest tacos in the world, but because they want you to know the joy of Christ. There are kids workers back there and back there, and, and we haven't heard them yet today. The, the holy thunder is coming, I'm sure, at some point. But they're up there, and they're struggling and laboring, not because they have it figured out, but they want your kids to know the joy that comes with the gospel. Marianne and Austin and all the Kayvon and Madeline and all the people who took all the youth to the beach. Listen, they could have spent their vacation on the beach by themselves, right? And had probably a, a way less of a struggle in a truest sense of word time. But they want our kids to know the joy that comes with the gospel. They want to celebrate with them. And this is the nature. And when you see Christ as supreme in all things... It will always just ignite that. We want other people to know the joy. And so there comes this celebration of a heart set aflame. You struggle in your home to teach your kids the gospel, not so that they'll just be good little cultural Christians, do you? We don't want that. We want them to know the joy that truly comes that you experience and feel when the grace of Christ washes over you. We want that. It's just the natural byproduct of a heart set aflame. And, and this is what the whole book of Colossians has been saying. And it will continue to say it's like a broken record over and over pointing to the exact same thing, isn't it? What is the whole point of the book of Colossians? That Christ is what? Supreme, you should have this by now, right? This is the whole point. And he says it over and over. He's, this is what he said. When you see Christ as supreme over reconciliation, do you remember that back in chapter 1 where he said Christ is the mystery of redemption? You remember that? And then again he says this. When you see Christ as supreme over the domain of darkness, do you all remember that? Where he said he even controls all the evil and keeps it at bay from consuming us. He also said this, when you see Christ as supreme over the entire cosmos, you remember that when we throw up the number of atoms in the world? And he controls every single atom. Like when you grasp that, he said this just last week. Johnny killed it last week, didn't he? All 17 minutes. Which, <laughs> which set the bar, brother. I, like, I was afraid to come to church today. I was going to be dead honest with you. I was like, oh my gosh, 17 minutes. That is the bar set high, right? Um, when you see Christ as supreme over suffering and, and realize that Christ even has a purpose in suffering, like when you grasp this, then you feel the full assurance that Christ really has and it gives you a joy unspeakable, doesn't it? Like when you see Christ as that big, even our biggest issues are pretty small in relation, aren't they? That's what he says. He says, I want you to know that in a heart set aflame, we'll want other people to indeed know that because Christ really is, isn't he? 
Christ really is the only source of true joy that this world has to offer. I mean, Christ is the only source of a perpetual smile on your face that will keep you going. Because this world, will it'll drive us to straight to the nut house, but Christ. But Christ. And there's the joy that comes from that. And so a heart set aflame can't help but want other people to know about that all-encompassing joy. It just comes out. And so you want them to feel Christ like you do when you're making family decisions. You want them to feel Christ like you do when you're singing or studying. Or I mean, just a minute ago as we're taking communion. The communion moment is my favorite moment of the worship service. It just is. I'm not... Listen, I love our musicians. I've got, I'm a little bit biased towards one of them. Um, I, I love the text. But the communion moment just... It's just a... Like, it's just, I feel in that moment. And you want other people to feel what you feel when Christ becomes supreme. You want them to know what it's like when you're cutting your grass. And some of you have experienced this, and you experience it. You're cutting your grass, and you feel Christ. Or some of you are driving your car, and you feel Christ. Some of you are washing your dishes, and you feel Christ. Other people wash their dishes and feel Satan. Some of you feel Christ. And, and, and right now, you, you smile because some of you know what it's like to be walking down the aisle of Publix and you just feel Christ. And you can't explain it. You, you don't know what to do with it necessarily all the time. But you feel it. It just happens. And you want other people to know that. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying when Christ becomes supreme in that way, those nutty times that you feel Christ, you want other people to feel that as well. It's just a natural byproduct. That is the heart of Christ. And ultimately, why? Because if you felt Christ in this way, you've come to know that if you love Jesus more than anything, be careful with this, that nothing else can ultimately crush you in this life. No matter how hard it gets. Your pain is real. Your struggle is real. Your questions are real. Your hurt is real. Your confusion is real. Your depression is real. All of those things are real. Your anxiety is real. What's going on in your family is real. What's going on at your work is real. All of those things that are hard are real. But it doesn't crush you if you genuinely know Christ. And you want that for other people. Why? Because an inward, Christward love will always produce an outward, manward love. It just will. It always does. This is what he's pushing us to. And as a byproduct, I'd also say this before we go on and close it up. This is also why there's no such thing as a Christian hermit. Like There is no such thing as a Christian hermit. An inward love will always push us outward. There's no such thing as fully grasping the mystery of Christ in isolation. It's impossible. You can't experience the fullness of Christ in isolation. It's the whole thing. Well, me and God have our own thing. That's why I don't need the church body. Not true. Not true. You cannot know the fullness of Christ without walking alongside Christ's bride. That's not a Troy thing. That's a Bible thing. The reason I say that is this. 
Because this inward love will always ignite you around other believers because you want to spawn one another to greater things in Christ. And who else will champion you in things of Christ other than people who are walking in Christ? It's like a match and a flame igniting one another. We'll get to that in just a minute. Let's wrap it up. So Paul's saying this. A heart of flame that sees Christ as supreme in all things. That's chapter 1. He said it about 10 different ways. If you grasp that, you'll struggle for other people. You will celebrate with other people. And you will want to protect other people. Number 3. Let's look at this, verse 4. And I say all of this, Paul says, in order that no one may delude you with plausible, good-sounding arguments. For though I'm absent in the body... I'm with you in the Spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in Him, being rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in Him, who is the head of all and rule and authority. So Paul's biggest concern back in the day would have been a discussion or a debate about whether Christ is supreme or not. And he could have never dreamt or imagined of all the things that would attempt to persuade us that Christ was not supreme over all things. He couldn't have fathomed all the things that we have, right? He couldn't have dreamed of all the mass print that could have pushed us away from Christ or the radio or the TV or the Internet or the vast amounts of mass education or the politics or the music or the blogosphere or social media or substances that we've created or sports or hobbies or even churches. Heck, our own hearts attempt to persuade us away from the fact that Christ is supreme in all things. He couldn't have imagined any of those things, but nonetheless, he still had a heart of concern to protect people from being persuaded that Christ was not supreme in all things. And in this, he said this, a heart that's aflame will protect others, watch these words, from being deceived. Protect others from listening to things that sound great, but are actually really empty. Things that don't sound insane. A heart aflame for the supremacy of Christ will want to protect other people from that. We've used this illustration before, but I think it's... Good to, to, to bring it up again. Something that has been said around here in our town, a definition of salvation <clears throat> was this. Salvation, church, is when you make God first in everything in your life. To which everybody applauded, clapped. And we think about it a little bit. It sounds great, Right? It sounds full, but there's a big problem with that. It's Christless, number one. And then number two, the whole point of the gospel is that you will never make God first in everything in your life. But Christ did. That's the whole thing. And and so a heart set aflame wants to protect people and go, 
whoa, (laughs) that sounds great. And I do hope that you make God first in everything in your life. But Christ. (laughs) But trust in the finished work of Christ. Trust in what He did. Trust in His work. And and you want to protect from that. You want to protect from deceit. And He says not only that, but protect others from human tradition is the word that He used here. Protect others from academic seduction. A heart set aflame. When Rob Bell's book comes out that says love wins and ultimately everybody goes to heaven, don't matter what you do or whatever, like if your heart set aflame for Christ, that will burn in you. And you'll go, whoa, I don't care that it's a number one bestseller. I want you to know that Christ said He's the way, He's the truth, He's the life, and you can't come to the Father except through Him. You you want that. And some of y'all feel that. That's a good thing. That's the Spirit in you. And He says this, you want to protect others from ultimately what is demonic, uh, the, the natural world's order, trends, fads, agendas, all the things that say, okay, maybe Jesus, but more of you. Right? Uh, this, this past week as we're hanging out on the beach, I found myself reading an article about Taylor Swift. I know. <laughs> Bizarre. I get it. I understand. I know. And, and look, uh, there's a teardrop on my guitar too. I, you know, whatever. Great artist, all this kind of stuff. But I was reading this article about her and about her enlightenment and uh, how she's kind of dabbling with new ideas and, and she's kind of wondering about her faith and all these different things. And she ultimately has kind of fallen along the same lines at this point of Gandhi, of I love Jesus, but I really don't like anything the Scripture has to say, right? It's, it's yes, Jesus, but I don't want to do all the things or not do all the things, blah, blah, blah. It's ultimately about us and finding self-joy and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just, I'm just kind of reading this and going, how many people are persuaded by this fantastic artist... And just because she's on a platform and just because her name's in lights and just because it's... And, and, and you can see it's the little bit of seduction of, yes, Jesus, but you really don't... Yes, Jesus saves you, but you really don't have to follow Him type mentality, right? And a heart set aflame for Christ in all things will go, I don't care what Taylor Swift says. What does the Scripture say? That ultimately is for your good and ultimately for His glory. Chase after it. And then finally, why all these things does Paul say? Because you want to protect others from anything or anyone that says Christ is less than supreme in all things. Which is how he ended that verse, right? He says, I'm telling you all these things because in Christ the fullness of deity dwells bodily and if you're in Him, He is in you and therefore He's the head of all rule and all authority no matter what Taylor Swift says. Or Kanye, right? I don't know, why not? (laughs) And I did Kanye too. Okay, I, I feel the tension. But this is the point. Not because Christ is a killjoy. But because Christ really is the only source of real joy. He is supreme joy. He himself. And no one and no other thing. So his point. If your heart struggles for others, 
celebrates with others and wants to protect others, then you can rest assured it is sizzling for Christ because Christ set it aflame. Well, as we wrap it up, all over Northport today and tomorrow, the sky will be filled with smoke. Um, and I, I love fireworks, man. I mean, like if you live in the city and you've bought $2,000 worth of fireworks and you don't have somewhere to blow them up, I live in the county. Come blow them up in my yard. I will sit there and eat watermelon and watch you set the whole community on fire, right? So <clears throat> that's going to be a part of smoke. But another part of the smoke that's going to be happening is this right here. Boom. People are going to set charcoal ablaze all over town. As a matter of fact, I don't have a char <laughs> I don't have a charcoal grill, so if someone needs some charcoal, <laughs> I'll sell this bag to you right here for a small donation of $75. Um, <clears throat> so uh, here's the thing. I think in a crazy way, maybe this is what Paul's getting out. <clears throat> if we were to pull one coal out of this and set it on fire, it couldn't do much, could it? As a matter of fact, it would kind of dwindle out. It would kind of peter and then kind of die out. But man, what if we set one on fire and then stuck it in here and all of them caught on fire together? It'd blaze, wouldn't it? It would, it would do things. It would be fulfilling its purpose. It would it'd set some meat on fire and fulfill that meat's purpose, right? I mean, it would do some awesome things if it all caught together. And I think that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, I want you individually to know Christ as supreme over everything. But more importantly, I want you church at Colossae, whom I've never met, together to be set on fire for Christ as supreme in all things. And that will make Jesus look glorious. So, will you struggle for other people? Will you celebrate with other people? Will you labor to protect other people? By what? Just proclaiming the excellency of Christ in all things. That's what this text is calling us to. The Word of God for the people of God. The band's going to come back up. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I pray that this text causes us to have more of a heart inflamed for the glory of Christ. And may we feel what William Carey felt. God, I pray for the individuals in here who have come to faith in Christ, who do see Him as supreme in all things. <clears throat> Some are set ablaze right now, and I pray this text just sets them more ablaze. And that they just become... I, I, well, just use DC Talk, right? Jesus, um, That they become Jesus freaks still more. Set them ablaze in their workplace, in their homes, to want to scream, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And, and maybe there's somebody in here who's... who's been aflame and then kind of walked away from other people who were aflame and kind of petered out and, and oh, that you would set their heart ablaze afresh and anew. 
that today would be a day of repentance and reconciliation. And to use a good old churchy word, rededication. <laughs> um, God, that they would draw a line in the sand and set their straight feet running towards you today. Restore the joy of their salvation. And there's a good chance, Lord, even on July 4th, where half our church is gone, um, there's a good chance in this room today there's somebody who doesn't know you. My prayer is today, Lord, that they would see you as supreme. That they would confess their sin, trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross, that He was buried, raised, ascended to the Father, intercedes, that all of these things He accomplished the conquering of sin and death. God, today, that they, that, that would come alive. And, and so, God, if, if there's one in the room that's, that's them today, would you draw their hearts? Would you set them ablaze for you? That they would confess, repent, and believe today. Lord Jesus, we pray these things in your name and for your fame. Amen.